When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 98 of Sorta Awesome, and I'm so delighted to be joined this week by my dear friend and lovely co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of simplyrebecca.com. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hello. I am good. I am so happy to be back. It's been so long. (laughs) It has been so long. Months and months and months since you have been on the show. We're so glad you're back today. So if you're new to Sort of Awesome, you might not have had a chance to meet our regular third co-host of the show because she has been on maternity leave since the beginning of 2017. And we are all so excited to finally get to welcome her back today. So Rebecca and her family just welcomed their third baby, and we thought it'd be a great time to not only catch up with her, how all of that is going, we also thought it would be a perfect time to do some parenting confessions. So we're going to be talking all about the parenting things that we worry over, the things that maybe keep us up at night. And we're also going to indulge in some silly confessions as well about some of our more questionable parenting choices. So all of that will be coming up later in the episode. But first, Rebecca, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. What do you have for your first one back? Well, I am so grateful that you even are allowing me to return to this oh, wonderful now. podcast. <laughs> of course. Of uh, course. You've been here since the beginning. I'm so glad you're back. I was a little scared I was going to be turned away, but I'm so happy to be back. (laughs) Okay, so awesome of the week. You guys, I have like so many to share. It's, I mean, I've been on maternity leave. I I know. It was like, what do I choose? But (laughs) I have to say that something that I discovered while I was on maternity leave was the wonder of Costco's ready to make meals. Mm -hmm. So Costco, it's, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's like uh, you go there to, it's a big grocery store and it's like bulk food that you're buying. Sam's Club is something very similar. Well, I don't have a Costco membership, but my mother-in-law does. Uh And my mother-in-law blessed me with two weeks worth of Costco meals after my baby was born. Yes. 
That's a great gift. Oh it my was goodness. amazing. It was amazing. And so I got to try all this stuff. And I have um, two favorites for you. The Alfredo chicken and their baked ravioli or ravioli lasagna, whatever they call it. Both of them were huge hits in my house. Went over really well with my two older kids. They both freeze really well. And I had to tell you that I had some friends who were going through a bit of a rough time. Um, one had surgery. There was a death in the family. And I wanted to bless them with a meal. But, Megan, I was not really feeling up for cooking. Of course. <laughs> that's totally reasonable. <laughs> so I went and got two Alfredo chickens and put them in the freezer. And then when I was able to get it to them, gave it to them. And you guys, it's so good. Like, there's, like, no reason why you can't bless somebody with a meal when you have access to Costco's chicken Alfredo pasta. I mean, really, it was phenomenal. And then lastly, though, the best thing that I discovered from Costco while on maternity leave are pretzel crisps in Hmm. dark chocolate crunch made by the company Snack Factory. Okay, yeah, sounds good, yeah. These are little flat pretzels, kind of like almost like pretzel style potato chips, okay? Uh Uh-huh, yes. Uh And they are dipped in dark chocolate. They were made by God himself (laughs) and sent to Costco for me to discover. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You laugh, but I am not kidding. (laughs) It's part of the creation story, definitely. (laughs) Yes, on the eighth day. (laughs) They are so... Good. Oh, They're amazing. So good. Yeah, you get your salty and your sweet all together in one little crisp there. Oh my word, they are so dangerous. They really are like potato chips. Like you can't be like, okay, I'm just gonna have one or maybe a generous like three or four. No, you eat like ten. You're like <laughs> popping them. They are so amazing. So everybody needs to run to Costco to buy them. If you do not have a Costco. They're also available on Amazon. You're going to pay more. It's worth it. (laughs) It is worth it. It will be a package from heaven arriving at your doorstep. So there you go. Why make food yourself when you have Costco? And why live a day of your life without dark chocolate pretzel crisps? I don't know. It's that's not a life worth living, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, some of us don't have access to Costco. Some of us live life with no Costco. There is one. There's not one in Oklahoma City. There is one in Tulsa. I just have never made the journey um, over to Tulsa to check it out. But I'm I'm longing for the day when Costco comes into my life. But I have had a similar. I don't know if they were by Snack Factory, but a similar snack to those. And I did think that they were quite the revelation. And I don't know if you're this way, Rebecca, but when I I was a nursing mom. First of all, I was hungry all the time. But secondly, I genuinely felt like food tasted better when I was nursing. I don't know if it was just like the hormones or just the fact that just like you're always just trying to keep your body fueled. I don't know. But it sounds like a nursing mom's best friend with these dark chocolate pretzel crisps. Well, they might not be the best recipe for postpartum weight loss by any means. (laughs) (laughs) That'll come another day. Exactly. Okay, so what do you have for me for Awesome of the Week? You are going to be so proud of me, Rebecca, because my Awesome of the Week this week is a YouTube channel. Again, this is like the second one that I've had recently, too. I don't even know. Your influence, your deep abiding love of YouTube has finally, after two years... (laughs) 
is finally rubbed off on me. So I know you're gonna be so proud of me. Amazing. Hit me with it. What is it? Okay, so here's the context uh, that I wanted to share with you all. Um, Over the weekend, Daisy, my oldest daughter was doing a project and she for school and she had to do it on my computer. So she was getting ready to Google something and she was like, who Googled how to prepare tea like a Brit? (laughs) And I was like, that was me. (laughs) Because really, truly, ever since I um, have had this recent in my life tea discovery, and now that passion has been fueled by Plum Deluxe and their amazing teas, I have been drinking more tea than I ever have in my life. But I kept thinking like, I don't have any like real tea drinkers like in my actual community. I kept thinking, am I doing this the right way? If anybody knows how to prepare tea the right way, it is our British friends across the pond, right? So I visited the old Google and I really did Google that phrase and it led me to... (laughs) Is there a wrong way to make tea? I mean... Well, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it all correctly. I had some questions like, if you're going to add cream and sugar, first of all, do people do that? Is that a thing? And if so, when do you add it? I had a lot of questions about the logistics. Okay, Rebecca, like, am I doing this? Am I getting the most out of my tea drinking experience? Okay. Tea drinking to the max. That's what you're aiming for. Okay. (laughs) Yes. To the max. So this Google search led me to a YouTube channel called Anglophenia. So Anglophenia is a YouTube channel that was um, created. It's kind of the offshoot of a blog at bbcamerica.com that's called also Anglophenia. Um, And it was first hosted by a woman named Siobhan Thompson. And then another woman named Kate Arnell has taken over it since then. And it is just really a fascinating little channel. It it is for Anglophiles. Anybody who would like to know more about um, British life and culture, they have this really fun little YouTube channel. I did, in fact, learn how to brew and serve tea like a proper Brit. I feel very confident of my tea preparation skills now. I also learned a little bit more like about the biscuits that they serve with tea. I did learn some facts about when you should add cream if you're going to. So that was fascinating in that in that um, episode. And I will put links to some of these I'm going to mention in the show notes if you want to go check it out too, because I poked around the Anglophenia channel. I found some other really fun videos like uh, just things like why Brits and Americans spell differently. If you have any friends who are British or even Canadian or Australian may notice the differences in spelling. So that how to pronounce UK place names was very funny and very informative. Another one that was really funny is called Isn't Brit Romantic? And it's all kinds of British slang and euphemisms for all things dating. And that video was very funny. But then also the comments on that video, (laughs) they're not safe for little eyes, but they are quite quite amusing. So anyway, yes, Anglophenia on YouTube. I'm sure that the blog is fantastic too. I didn't have time to really get into that, but it is just a real fun little YouTube channel if you are ever curious about life across the pond as an American. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get into talking to Rebecca, I'm going to ask her all kinds of questions about how they are adjusting with life with the new baby and all of those things. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. But we wanted to talk for just a minute about the ultimate homemaking bundle for 2017 that was just released this week. And as I've mentioned, Sorta Awesome has two, not one, but two brand new 
never before released episodes of Sort of Awesome. They are group shows that we um, were fortunate enough to have included in this bundle of homemaking resources. And Rebecca, this is particularly exciting for you and I because we have been sort of blogging colleagues even before we were did the podcast together. Um, and you and I both have worked with the Ultimate Bundles company for years now. So this has been pretty cool for us to actually have something in the bundle this year. Yes, we are longtime fans of the Ultimate Homemaking Bundle. And for good reason, because it is a phenomenal collection of all kinds of resources. We're talking e-courses, printables, e-books, tons of things that you can have access to for a really low price and to be able to be selected as one of the products that's available i think we're even the first podcast ever to have exclusive episodes uh audio audible downloads available in the bundle and it's just fantastic i'm thrilled to be part of it we are so excited so what you'll find from from our contribution to this year's Ultimate Homemaking Bundle is, like I said, it's two, I mean, they are full length sort of awesome episodes. We did not skimp on our contribution to the bundle at all because I mean, it's they're full episodes. They start with Awesomes of the Week from all four of us. One of them is called Mothering to the Max. This is all of our practical solutions and encouragements for getting through stressful seasons in home life, whether it is, well, you know, like if you have a new baby or if your husband has been deployed or um, you're adjusting to stay-at-home mom life or just all kinds of things. We put our heads together and came up with all of our best solutions and, of course, encouragement because we like to do that a lot around here in that episode. And then the other one we did was Home Life Confessions. Again, we do enjoy a good confession around here, don't we, Rebecca? (laughs) Yes, we we do. (laughs) This might be one of my favorite episodes that we have ever produced. Yep, it gets pretty silly. And I, I learned some things about these three friends of mine that I genuinely did not know on this Confessions episode. I mean, it's all things parenting, housekeeping, cooking, all kinds of confessions related to home life. So we had so much fun putting these together. And I again, it's just, we really are so honored to have been chosen to be in this year's Ultimate Homemaking Bundle. And as Rebecca was saying, if you've never purchased a, a bundle before, particularly from Ultimate Bundles, it is really a vast collection of things. There are um, PDFs of, of eBooks in there, and definitely, and I've gotten tons of use out of those. I really especially love that there's always great cookbooks and recipe books in these. Um, but there are, there's e-courses, there are, um, all kinds of bonuses that come along with it. So the value of this year's is $1,989 and 70 cents. And you get access to all of that, all of the resources in there for $29.97. So Rebecca and I have been looking through the product list and checking things out and poking around in there. And Rebecca, I know you had a couple that really stood out to you that you were looking forward to getting your hands on in this bundle. Well, the first one that I'm excited about is an e-course by Michaelin Smith, commonly known as The Nester online. Yes. And her course is called Cozy Minimalist Decorating. And Megan, I struggle with decorating big time. You would think as my ESFP personality that that's something that I would thrive in. And I do not. I'm terrible at it. And that course alone is $39. Wow, so yeah. you're getting it plus everything else for even cheaper. So that's amazing. 
And then the other one that I'm really excited about is called the Temper Toolkit, how to take control of your temper before you lose it. And that is by Lisa Jo Baker. Oh, I I love Lisa Jo. She's so great. And Megan, I started this one. I haven't gone into the cozy minimalist decorating class yet, but I did start the Temper Toolkit and I'm a few um, sessions in, and it is so well done. Lisa Joe is acknowledging just anger and the struggles that moms have with anger and how anger is a natural emotion, that it's okay that we feel that way, but how do we funnel it? I mean, and it's so professionally done. It really is phenomenal. Again, that course alone is $29. Yeah. So it just totally makes sense that if either one of these courses sound interesting to you, to get the bundle Mm -hmm. and then get everything else that comes with it, including our two episodes. Definitely. I love that. That's so true. And something else I'm excited about is from sort of awesome alum. She's been on our show before. Jessica Turner has a course in there called Stretch Too Thin, 10 Days to Overcoming the Hustle and Thriving as a Working Mom. And Jessica, oh my gosh, if anybody can teach me how to overcome the hustle and really thrive, even though I'm working quite a bit these days, it's her. She That woman has like her life. I don't know how she does it all. But Amen. <laughs> I cannot wait to learn what she has in that. And again, like you said, that, that course alone is $39. So, And there's a couple of other people that have been on Sorta Awesome who have products in this bundle. Ann Bogle has her Modern Mrs. Darcy's Bullet Journaling for Book Lovers. Uh, Dana White and Becky Rappenchuk both have products in this. So there's just all kinds of good stuff going on in the bundle. And we just want to make sure that you know you can go to sortaawesomeshow.com slash bundle 2017. And you will find all of the details and everything that you need to know about getting this year's ultimate homemaking bundle. So yeah, it's pretty exciting for us around here. Plus, as an extra thank you to anyone who buys the bundle through our affiliate link, because you might see this advertised among some of your other online friends, we want to give you a little extra thank you. And so we have a Google form that you can fill out after you purchase the bundle through our link, and we will email you a PDF of some of our all-time awesomes. That's right. Yes, exactly. A little thank you gift for supporting the show by purchasing the Ultimate Homemaking Bundle through our link. So again, sortaawesomeshow.com slash bundle 2017. All right, Rebecca, let's talk. I just want to know everything, like how are things going? You guys are adjusting to life now as a family of five. You had two kids, now you have three. So let's just hear kind of an overview of how things are going. Well, it's going well, Megan. It really is. So, you know, we have, um, my husband and I have a daughter who is seven years old and a son who just turned five. And then we were pregnant with our little tiebreaker. We didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Um, But we are pleased to say that Isaac, our little boy, our little boy tiebreaker, he was born at the end of January. And Megan, he is such a smiley little boy. Oh, he is. Both you and Nate post so many pictures on Facebook of him. And it's like he, that little baby is always smiling. He is so happy. He's a very photogenic baby. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going well. It really is. I feel like um, the first month in, 
you know, he was he was a little bit more gassy, spitting up, a little bit on the crankier side. At one point, I said to Nate, I said, you know, I think Isaac is officially our crankiest baby. And he's oh. like, uh, hello, yes, where have you been? You only are just now deciding this? Um, but, you know, he's three months old today, and I feel like we've gotten into a better understanding of each other. Yes. <laughs> we've gotten into more of a rhythm, and things really are going very well. Good. I'm so, so glad to hear that. Um, Now, you shared on your blog pretty extensively the birth story for Isaac, and we will put a link in the show notes. It's over at simplyrebecca.com where people can read your full birth story. But did you want to share any highlights from Isaac's birth with us today? Well, sure. Yeah. So my... My first delivery with my daughter was a natural vaginal birth. And then with my first son, he was born by C-section because he was in the breech position. And so this time around, I was really hoping to do a VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. And I was a really good candidate for it because I only had to have a C-section before because of baby's position. So I was really hopeful for that. I was praying for labor to start naturally on its own because I knew that inducing in a VBAC can have some extra complications. Uh, However, that did not happen. And so we did have to induce, and you can read more about that on the blog and the reasons why. Um, But 10 hours into it, there was like zero zilch, nada change happening Mm, with me. Right. And, you know, that was a really frustrating moment. Um, But, you know, when when the doctor said to me, you know, this isn't working, I think it's time that we move to do a C-section. I was just overwhelmed with a lot of emotions. And of course, I just burst into tears. (laughs) Definitely, yes. As you do when you're about to deliver your baby and you have all the hormones and all the emotions and everything going through you. Um, Part of it was relief. Um, Part of it was sadness. And part of it was just the stress of the day. You know, just feeling all the things that you feel. Yes. So we moved forward to doing a C-section and the doctor was so incredibly kind and gracious with me in that moment when I was, you know, having a bit of a breakdown. And she said, how can we make this better for you? Mm. And I was able to list all of the concerns and things that I had not liked and not enjoyed from my previous C-section with my with my older son. And every single one of those concerns was met with respect and kindness. And it was so much better. The process itself was so much better. I knew more what to expect. So that really helped. But then the staff, too, were so... um, they were so accommodating. They were they they cared so much. I could tell. It just there was just a bit of a difference there. And one of the things that I was able to do was ask for skin to skin contact um, after the delivery, and I was able to have that right away oh, in the so operating great. room. Yes, so it just great. was a whole different experience for me, and it was really wonderful. Um, one thing that I had requested was that. Nate be the one to announce the gender of the baby because we have waited until delivery to find out the genders of all of our children and he's always been the one who has spilled the beans to me so to speak as to what it was and so um, little Isaac was born and the doctors held him up and said okay daddy and uh, the first thing I heard was Nate say 
hey buddy <laughs> <laughs> and i knew right away it was a boy yes. and it was just so oh. sweet it was a precious moment I already it told really you was. when I read your birth story, like start crying when I got to that part. It's so sweet. I love it. I love it. That is just so what a wonderful, precious, tender moment, even just for you and Nate to get to experience, even in the midst of all of the other things of birth. I just love that. So beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend at all that a C-section would be my choice way of delivering it. it I went through some grief with that, with my with my first, um, because he was breech and all, and I, I really had a hard time with that. But I have to tell you, Megan, this time was just so different, and I really feel like it was all part of God's plan for for me and for Isaac. Uh, in the operating room, as I was getting ready to be wheeled out to the recovery area, this, this doctor and surgeon, she stopped and she said and explained to us, you know, when I was doing the surgery, your uterus was so thin it was like a window that i could literally see through and if we had moved forward with inducing if you had had labor happen spontaneously naturally on its own you were at an incredibly high risk for a uterine rupture Mm. and this was definitely the way that this baby was meant to be born wow i really felt that way it just it erased any um, negativity that I may have had surrounding the birth and the fact that I wasn't able to have a natural birth again. It, it was meant to be, it was God's perfect plan. When I, you know, I was praying, please let labor start naturally. And I just felt like my prayers were not being answered, but you know, it was with good reason. I really, with good reason. I love that part of the story too. Um, certainly know the frustrations that can come along with all of that stuff. So I'm so glad that you were able to have that little tiny bit of closure to know this was how it was supposed to be. So, so great. Okay. So then you bring the baby home and now here you are, you've got Grace and Noah, your older two children. How are they doing with having a baby brother? Around? Oh my goodness. They love him. They love him so much. I, I have this thing where I brainwash my children and tell them that they're best friends. Like I've been doing that like <laughs> forever. You guys are best friends. You're always going to be best friends. And so I say that about Isaac too. I'd be like, look, we have another new best friend. And like Aww. Isaac will wake up and Grace and Noah will come into the bedroom and see him I'll be like or Grace will come home from school and I'll say to Isaac hey look your best friends are here (laughs) it's Grace and Noah (laughs) um so they're doing really well they asked to hold him a lot um Noah is like obsessed with rubbing Isaac's head I mean it just it it's really going very well oh goodness that is just so sweet I love it I would love to know too here you are third time around with the newborn phase. How is this particular newborn phase with Isaac different from when your older two were born? Well, Megan, I have to tell you, there is a huge difference between bringing home a baby to a seven-year-old and a five-year-old rather than bringing home a baby to a two and a half-year-old. <laughs> yes. Yes. A huge difference. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's, in some ways, it's it's a bit chaotic because now I have to wake up and get kids ready for school where before I was able to have the slowest of mornings. If it was mm-hmm. a rough night, that's okay. We could stay in bed until noon if we wanted to. But now I have this these other obligations to get me up and out the door. But they're just so much easier. I can leave them 
alone in the room with Isaac mm-hmm. and not be paranoid about what's going to happen to yes, him. Yes, yes. So it, so it really is, um, It's it's been easier in that way. I, I have to admit, though, that I think it might get worse in terms of adjusting <laughs> from having two to three because right now he's still in the sleeping pretty well stage, not really waking up to noise stage. Uh, I set him down and he doesn't go anywhere stage. So maybe call me a pessimist. I don't know, but I, I kind of think it's going to get worse. <laughs> Well, I maybe it's going to get harder. Maybe you're not so much a pessimist, you're more of a realist, because this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> no babies right. change quite a bit. So I love that. That's actually almost the exact age difference from when we brought the twins home. Daisy was newly eight, but AJ was, um, she was five. And then we brought the twins home. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing difference. It's, it is so much easier in a lot of ways. And they're great helpers to have around too. Yes, yes, they are. So, well, thank you for taking the time to update us and fill us in on how you guys have been adjusting. We are such fans of the Hoffer family around here. So it's so good to hear all of these good updates. And again, we will put a link to Rebecca's birth story for Isaac in the show notes if you would like to go get a few more of the details on that. So we thought, hey, Rebecca's coming back. She's been on maternity break. Um, the newborn phase is a time of life. It's definitely survival mode in a lot of ways when you're just kind of like, okay, we're just going to do whatever we got to do. And sometimes that leads to some things you might want to confess. Like (laughs) these are the things that we are doing to get by. But before we get to our sillier confessions, we also kind of wanted to take a minute to talk about some of the more um, not necessarily like serious confessions, but some of the things that are um, the the parenting issues that we worry over and that we struggle with and that kind of weigh heavily on us from time to time. So Rebecca, why don't you get us started in with talking about some of that? Well, my first confession is that I breastfed both Grace and Noah for much longer than I ever anticipated was going to be my reality. I think I had it in my mind that I might have a supply, milk supply issue, and maybe eventually as I introduced uh, solid food that my milk supply would dwindle and I wouldn't be able to make it to a full year. Uh, Although that was always kind of my goal was to get to first six months and then, you know, after six months I hoped to make it to a year. Well, a year came and went and suddenly I found myself still breastfeeding this little girl who had no idea that suddenly she was a year old. Right, yes. Supposedly weaning was supposed to be naturally happening and occurring as it did with a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I knew. And it was just a day on the calendar to her. And so she still was eager to breastfeed. I'm like, well, this is still working. So if I made it past a year, how long do I go? And so I ended up nursing Grace until she was just one month shy of turning two years old. And I ended up nursing Noah until he was uh, two years and one month old. Mm -hmm. But there was a bit of embarrassment there for me, Megan. I felt a little alone. I felt uh, just a little bit confused about, wait, I, I had no I, I felt like I accidentally stumbled into this thing called extended breastfeeding. Because, you know, if you breastfeed for beyond a year, you're automatically given that label of, ooh, you are extended breastfeeding. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was like, ah, I need somebody in my life who has done this. Like, who do I look to? Like, what... 
what steps, how do you wean an older baby? I don't know how to do any of this. And all I could really find online were people who were really into mm-hmm. extended breastfeeding. Like, uh, maybe you could call them like extremely crunchy people. And I was kind of like, well, there's got to be some balance between nursing a one-year-old and being like, okay, I'm going to go till five. And, mm-hmm. you know, you do you. Like, that's fine. I have no issues with breastfeeding, you know, well beyond age one. But I was kind of like, but where's the middle ground? Like, where are the people <laughs> that I can relate to? Right. Like the more middle of the road approach. Yes. Yeah. So as I was saying... I just felt like that was that was something that I really had to wrestle with was feeling alone in this new world of breastfeeding and also feeling like like I didn't I didn't have such a settled feeling about it. There was a little bit of embarrassment, like is this okay? Is this not okay? I know that there's people online telling me it's okay, but in real life is this okay? And th- eventually it all worked out in the end. And I do plan to do extended breastfeeding with Isaac, but um, it just took, it was a journey. It took me a while to get there and to feel comfortable in my extended breastfeeding skin, so to say. I relate to that part of the breastfeeding story with, that's how I felt with my oldest, who I also just was like, how can I just automatically wean her just because she just turned one? And um, we ended up, I ended up nursing both of my girls until they were to or close to it. And then I had the other side of the coin happen with the twins because I did lose my supply so early. And so they were, I mean, they were like fully weaned um, sometime after the six or seven month mark. So yeah, I've been on both sides of that. And I know there's, you can, like I said, this, these are the kinds of things that can kind of keep us up at night as moms. Um, One of mine that is a little bit more on the serious side of confessing is of all of the issues in married life. Kyle and I've been married for almost 19 years. Of all the issues in life, parenting is really the only thing that we tend to clash and butt heads over a little bit. Um, You know, every married couple, every longtime partnership, everybody has their kind of hot button issues. Um, For some people, it might be money and finances. Other people, it might be work or like home life balance. Who's going to take care of what around the house or Um, intimacy issues. Everybody has their thing. And we genuinely have been so fortunate to be on the same page in a lot of areas, but not when it comes to parenting choices. So I think a big part of the clash is just personality stuff. And honestly, getting to know more about my personality and about his personality has helped so much in that at least it eliminates like, how can you think this way? I don't understand why you would think that with an understanding of each other's personalities, it kind of helps us to understand where the other person's coming from. But Kyle, you know, he was a um, a college football coach for over a decade. And when it comes to parenting stuff, he tends to go into that like coach teats mode really quickly, <laughs> which is a lot of just like, you know, do this, do that, uses his coaching voice, all of those things. And that is just not natural to my personality at all. And so he tends like to think that I am way, way, way too lenient and too indulgent of the kids, which I fully confess, that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to think that he expects too much too soon or that he's too harsh or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's easy to talk about just sitting here, but in in the heat of the moment, genuinely in the history of our marriage, some of our biggest 
biggest, loudest, and most emotional disagreements have been over parenting choices. So just want to put that out there and know if anybody else could relate, but it's it's been a pretty big deal. And it's not even one that I can say like, until we came across this magical solution and then everything was fine. I mean, we are like definitely still in the midst of sorting through a lot of these issues. So... Well, praise the Lord that you don't have a lot of ongoing fights about all those other things that you mentioned, because parenting alone is a doozy, you know, so it's nice that if you're gonna have one thing to clash on, (laughs) thank goodness you don't have five other ones. Right. That is so, so true. What about you? Do you have others that you kind of have mulled over that have been things that have been hard to grapple through for you? Well, when Nate and I were trying to decide if we were going to grow our family again and have a third baby, he was ready for that much sooner than I was. And he even said to me, no, Rebecca, we are going to have another baby. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and so the age difference between Isaac and Noah is you know, nearly five years. And part of the reason is because it really did take me a while to come around to wanting to try again. And Megan, it's almost embarrassing to admit this, but a big reason why I struggled with it so much is that on some of my worst parenting days, when I would be, you know, locking myself in the bathroom, tears, streaked cheeks, you know, sending panic text messages to my husband, the thoughts that I I would have is that this is why you cannot have another baby. Mm. You are not a good enough mom to handle the two that you have. What makes you think that you can do this with another one? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if all of this chaos was happening in your life and you had a crying baby on your hip as well? What are you thinking? Yeah. And let me tell you, I mean, that was a dark place to be. And it finally took me a while. I had this aha moment that, Rebecca, that is a lie that you are believing about yourself. Yes. You need to knock that off. Just because you're having a bad day does not mean that you are a bad mother. It does not mean that you are incapable You don't have to limit the size of your family because you're not good enough. And honestly, it really did take me a long time to come to that realization that no, this is a lie. This is negative self-talk. You know, if you're a person of faith, you know, you can believe this is the enemy that is speaking to me and telling me these bad, awful things about myself and to just move forward and think I can do it. Yeah, I can really do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I think that, man, we are so, as moms, I think we're so prone to, like you said, the negative self-talk and just believing the worst about ourselves and the job that we're doing. In fact, that really relates to what my other, you know, this is this is a confession of what keeps me up at night issue is, is I consistently feel like I am failing my daughter's in terms of raising them to be really strong and empowered women. I feel like I have this huge burden on me to teach them about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a human and all of these things. And and certainly I, I feel like I am, you know, there's places I try to be really intentional about um, body image and the way they view their, their bodies and the way they view themselves and the space they take up in the world. It's a really big deal to me. And I think... 
lately I've been feeling really guilty. And again, this is just confessional style talking um, because both of them, they are 12 and nine and both of them notice things about like, oh, I wish, I wish this part of me weren't so fat or I hate how I look in this. I don't have any clothes that fit. And, you know, they're girls are not even teenagers yet. And so it's so hard. I feel like since the time they were little, I've really tried to emphasize lots of good, positive things. And I've really, it's been very convicting to me. I've tried to really minimize and really be you know, super intentional about how I speak about my own body and how I feel in my own clothes and my, in my own space that I take up. But sometimes I feel like I didn't, I just didn't realize how big of an impact that like going to school and having peers and friends and just the greater culture would have on them. And so I guess in, in, on some level, I just kind of feel like, man, I thought I was doing so great, but you know, they're, they're 12 and nine and they're already encountering some of this stuff. And, you know, of course I don't tell them, I, Oh my gosh, I failed you. (laughs) This is just my own internal struggle. So I just kind of try to up, you know, up the the message that we, and just keep repeating and and try to really dig down and, and see what we can do to help them to feel like they don't have to believe all of the things that our culture says um, about our bodies, especially now the the issues go beyond this, but for, you know, privacy reasons, because they are becoming young women, I won't go into all of that, but that one seems particularly like um, it's just such a big one that it weighs on my mind a lot, weighs on my heart a lot. So it's tough. Well, stuff. when you get that figured out, you tell me. The <laughs> <Okay>. secret. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. There's a lot, a lot of tough issues to, um, to try to have, figure out how to navigate. And we are definitely, I will be the first to say, I am deep in the process of it. I have no solutions at this point. And, and a lot of times I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not equipped to be doing, to be having these kinds of conversations. So, all right. Well, not all of the things that we have in our parenting confessional are that serious. We have some that are a little bit more lighthearted. Rebecca and I definitely have done a lot of confessing on sort of awesome through the years. So Rebecca, why don't you kick us off with some of our more silly parenting confessions? Okay, well, my first one might not rock some people, but I know that to others, it is a very big deal. My confession is that I have zero guilt when it comes to throwing away my kids artwork and school papers i get it comes that in the house and it goes in the trash <laughs> i totally get that i do i recently dug through all of the stuff that my own mother saved for me and i just like rolled my eyes at my mom i'm like mom this attendance award from third grade, like, come on, are you kidding? Like, why did you keep this? And she said to me, Rebecca, you wouldn't let me throw anything away. (laughs) You wanted to keep everything, (sighs) which totally sounds like me. So I went through all this stuff and it was like tons and tons of things. She had made like scrapbooks for me. I I saved like, I don't know, like maybe five or 10 things and then just threw a huge bag of trash away. So I look at it as I throw it away now or my daughter and sons throw it away themselves in 20 years. So why not save everybody the hassle and just get rid of it? But (laughs) a couple weeks ago, my little son Noah 
found something that he had drawn in the trash. And he said to me, Mommy, did you do this? Oh. I made this for the family. And I was like, oh, no. He got me. Usually I do ask permission. I'll be like, hey, are you done with this? Can we get rid of it? And they're like, eh, yeah. And if they say they want to keep it, I say, okay, then you go put it in your room and find a place for it. And then they're like, mm, I can't be bothered with that. Never mind, mom. Right. Throw it away. But that time, man, his little face. Yes. Did you oh. do this, mom? Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was an accident. Let me wipe the spaghetti off of it and stick it on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the same way. And I do think that that's so true. I think it's a great point that if you if you weed out the stuff now and really keep the memorable stuff, it'll be a lot easier to pass on to them someday as they're an adult. Like, here's all your things. Get it out of my house, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hanging on to it all these years. Um, so I totally get that. Okay, so Rebecca, you and I way back on episode 39 of Sorta Awesome um, back in 2015, we did a confessional show. And on that show, I confess that I was a really, really bad recycler. Do you yes, remember this? I, yes, I do remember that they were probably going to come take my crunchy card away. I felt terrible. We, I had no excuse for it because we have curbside recycling in Oklahoma City. Well, as I followed up with later, I actually was so convicted about that that I started recycling. As so, you should. <laughs> I know. I know. But the bad, bad, bad thing is the first thing on my list of parenting confessions um, is that, um, again, bad, crunchy person. I am actively contributing to the global water crisis because I let my kids take play baths and play showers almost whenever they want to just to keep them contained in one little space and they'll have something to do when they aren't <laughs> bothering me um, especially now the girls obviously are older they, this, this is not a thing anymore but the twins probably take two baths a day bubble baths play baths now not every single day but it would not be unusual on any given day around here for them to have taken two baths because they love to get in there. They play together. I can sit right there and read a book or catch up on things. And it's, <laughs> it's supremely and totally wasteful of water. I get it. Wait, no, but, I don't even care about the water. There is some effort <laughs> when it comes to bathing children. Like you have to get them naked and then get them dry and then ugh. get them clothed again. You do it twice a day. They're four now, so they do a lot of that themselves. I just get the I get the water running for them and pour in some bubble bath, and they're good to go. And then they get themselves out, and we dry off. And I mean, uh, this is maybe questionable on on privacy issues, but let's just say that those two spend a lot of time unclothed anyway. So, <laughs> so it's really not that high maintenance of a thing for me. It's actually kind of a nice little break, really. So, yes, I'm wow. so sorry to say that we use a lot of water around here and I use play baths as a great play time when they do their own thing and I can sit close by and do my own thing. All right, recover from the shock of that okay. and tell me what's next on your list. Sorry, you really did surprise me there twice a day. <laughs> Goodness sakes. Your kids are a lot cleaner than mine are. <laughs> That's a whole nother confession. Okay, so my next confession is that for about the first... 30 minutes to an hour of Isaac's life, he had a different name. <laughs> That's right. I remember this from your birth story. That's right. Yes. 
My husband and I really struggled to come up with names. Like, it's not even... It's not even funny. It's We avoided trying to pick names for um, this third pregnancy, like, and, and, until I think we were, like, eight, nine months along, and we're like, okay, we, we need to actually start talking about this. I just put it off because it was, like, too hard. We just never agree. So, finally, we narrowed it down to our top two contenders for a boy name and a girl name. Then we went into the hospital with our number one pick for each gender, find out okay he's a boy we name him this name and then nate is holding him and he says to me after a little while rebecca i really think his name is supposed to be isaac and i'm like what are you talking about because that was not one of that wasn't the other name that was our Ah. top name it was Uh actually isaac has always been one of my favorite names ever since we were pregnant with my oldest and Nate has always turned up his nose to it and been like, nope, 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 not going with that one. What else do you like? And so he really threw me for a loop. So we did not officially name Isaac until the next morning. And a big reason was because I needed to like catch up to Nate and his thought process of like picking this other name and another part of the confession is that we're not telling anybody what the original name was (laughs) i know this is driving me bonkers (laughs) seriously but the reason why megan is because i am too sensitive and somebody is going to say oh i love that name yes i'm gonna be like we chose the wrong one they hate what we named him yeah. So I am just like cutting that off and being like, nope, we're not even going to go there. So maybe I don't know. A few that's, months down the road, maybe we'll That's going to drive me it. crazy. I'm just going to start randomly texting boy names to you and be like, was it this? Was it Brandon? <laughs> was it Luke? <laughs> just to see if I can land on it. Go for it. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know. Maybe after his first birthday. <laughs> Well, I'm, just, I'm too sensitive. I'm I get just it. too sensitive. I can't. The, I mean, the whole thing of babies and their names is a sensitive topic. So I do totally. I do get your reasoning on that. I really do. So that's so funny. So like literally, like he was born, and then you know Nate says, "Hey, buddy," and it's a boy, and you guys just like started calling him what you had decided was the boy name. Yeah, the nurses wrote it down. Everything. Oh like, wow! That, like this was his name, and then it was thirty to sixty minutes later. Yeah. And Nate's like, uh, I really think we should call him Isaac. And I was like, oh, you always hated that name. What are you doing? Like, And I asked Nate, I said, are you just doing this to be nice to me? Like, you know, this is probably our last baby. And he's like, uh, no, like, it's not about you. Like, I really just think his name is supposed to be Isaac. I love it. That's a great confession. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm going to have to find out what it was. Okay. Well, the next one on mine again, is kind of something that I just came across as a coping mechanism after we had the twins. It's become a twin wrangling tactic for me. I am not above using candy as as lures to lure them out of a space that we need to get it out of and into like my van or whatever. So like the playground. Maybe like out of the tub. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can sit in there and get all wrinkly because I'm just going to be reading my book. <laughs> But it's so funny because I used to be so intimidated to take the twins anywhere by myself. This was when they were younger toddlers, when they were they were mobile, but they were not as old as they are now. One of the twins was a terrible runner. He would just oh, take no. off. And then the other one was really prone, and he kind of still is, to 
uh, meltdowns, temper tantrums. And I would get so paranoid, like, we're going to get to this, like, let's just say playground, and it's going to be time to go. And there's only one of me, and there's two of them. And how am I going to get them, you know, safely back to the vehicle? And one day it occurred to me because I had taken them in to get haircuts. And at our haircut place, they always get suckers. I was like, oh my gosh, it just clicked. I was like, they love suckers so much. I bet I could just kind of lure them. Like, come on, who wants a sucker? And so now if you see me out in public, I might look like your everyday child predator out there trying to get oh, two, two kids to follow me with candy. Like, come on, who wants a sucker? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, I, I also have to say that I love that you call them suckers because that's what I grew up calling them. Uh-huh. But here in Pennsylvania, they're called lollipops. And oh. I told my friends, oh, no, they're called suckers. And they're like, uh, no. So they're like, Rebecca, don't call them that. That, that like, sounds, that, like, even, sounds even I'm talking about, I'm talking about, like, little dum-dum suckers, you know, just, like, the little ones. And people call those yeah. lollipops? Yeah. See, we call like, like you mean like the like the big yeah like a big spiral like disc of candy on a stick. That's a lollipop. No, they're all lollipops, and that's what my kids call them. And (sighs) it's like I'm speaking a different language. It's weird. Is fascinating. I didn't even know there was a language divide on that. We're gonna have to have the awesomes weigh in on the correct thing to call this. (laughs) Okay. So, what is last on your confessional list today? I have some postpartum milestones that may not win me any friends. I just got to say. So I have three of them. The first one is that I have never, with even having three children now, I have never changed a Marconium diaper. Oh, really? (laughs) How did you get out of that? (laughs) Yeah, see? You're not not happy with me. Let's explain exactly what those uh, meconium diapers are like for people who have not gotten to experience the wonder of that part of a new baby. Well, you're going to have to explain it because, Megan, I've never changed one. Okay. (laughs) So when babies are born and their systems wake up to the world, the the world outside of the womb, they start to, um, you know, pass a lot of the things that were in their intestines. And one of those substances is called meconium, and it's this it's not, it's like a, it's like a very sticky, tar-like bowel movement. It's a poopy diaper, but they are not what the rest of, you know, the diapering experience of poopy diapers is like. It's really quite terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's totally natural and normal, and this is, you know, the way things are supposed to work. But yeah, I'm super curious how you've gotten out of this one. Well, it's always Nate, my husband, has changed a ton of the diapers in the hospital. And if for some reason he isn't changing it, then maybe like a nurse happens to have, you know, taken the like taken Isaac to go, okay, we're gonna go weigh him or do something or whatever, and then they'll come back and say, Oh yeah, he had a messy diaper and we changed it and okay, great. Like I literally Isaac was born on a Wednesday night and I changed my first diaper on Sunday. Oh my gosh, you are a very lucky lady. And now we will all refer to Nate as Saint Nate around here. So, okay, well, you're going to you're not going to like the rest of these either. Okay, so <laughs> this this one though is a little bit more relatable. Okay, so Isaac is 3 months old today, and with the exception of maybe 2 days, I have worn at least one maternity clothing item every day. 
Oh, that's totally fine. That's not a confession. That's just normal, I think. Oh, come on. Really? Yes. Totally. Maybe I maybe I should have been confessing that all along. I just thought that was just what people did. Well, I know that you do it for like a while, but for three whole months? <laughs> They're so comfy and stretchy. I know. I haven't even tried on my pre-pregnancy jeans because it just puts me in a bad mood. I finally, I got the box of pre-pregnancy clothes out. And Megan, it put me in such a foul mood. I'm like, oh, surely I can wear some of these things. And I tried this on. I tried that on. I'm like, ah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this was a mistake. So that that's my one confession. And then the final postpartum milestone is that I did not cook for nine weeks after Isaac was born. Wow. You are a lucky lady. Seriously. Nine weeks? Nine weeks. The first meal I made that I cooked was nine weeks after he was born. Wow. That's, you have a very good support system. You know what? And I, and I do. And I have to say that that's one thing that has been so incredible. And I felt so blessed with this, um, with this pregnancy and birth is that I really have had amazing support. So my mom was here um, for over two weeks and she helped with meals. I had friends and some of Nate's colleagues in the community that they gave us meals. My mother-in-law, like I mentioned at the top of the show, gave us two weeks of meals from Costco. And then I beforehand before Isaac was born put away 16 meals in my freezer oh that's right yeah I remember you saying that that you had done a ton of freezer cooking and prep before so wow I know my girlfriends were not super like they weren't super happy for me (laughs) that's not something you go around bragging about (laughs) well I know but I feel like everybody should have that experience I mean I know that I know that you just don't like usually and I certainly cooked earlier with my other kids it's just you just don't like you just don't always have family around you don't always have super supportive friends you know this or that um I was really fortunate one of my girlfriends did warn me though she told me not to share this on the podcast but I did anyway so there's my final (laughs) confession is that I did not cook at all for the first nine weeks well my last confession has the um it it has the potential to make some people feel pretty angry too depending on where you fall philosophically on this topic. But just like I'm not above using candy as <laughs> alerts for my kids, I'm also not above lying to my kids' little white lies to make my life a little easier. Now, I know we actually have a fair number of kids who listen along to Sorta Awesome as their moms are listening as well. So I want to assure all of you children who are listening Chances are your mother does not lie to you about anything. (laughs) No, nope. This is just my own bad mom confession. But I, this was especially true. This is true with younger kids. Of course, as kids get older and a little bit more savvy and a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world, you can't really do this so much. But for example, if they had a particularly hideous piece of clothing, and AJ was the worst about this, she would latch onto a piece of clothing and wear it over and over. And it would be usually something that would be completely inappropriate for like, you know, just living life. She she found one of Daisy's Halloween costumes when she was like, I don't know, two or three. And it was like a, some kind of a crushed velvet bodice with these strips of tulle. Rebecca, she wore it everywhere, to church, to the library, to sleep in. I could not get it off of her. So when things like that have happened, <laughs> those pieces of clothing that I don't want to have to keep dealing with, they just get lost in the laundry. And I don't even know what happened. Just sometimes in life, 
clothes get lost in the laundry and I'm so sorry that happened. Which is to say that it got tossed. <laughs> Um, things that they thought were going to go to donation, which were genuinely things that were not appropriate for donating. They would have made, they would have been a hassle for whoever was on the donating end of things. They thought they were going on to find a new home and they found a new home in the dumpster. Um, we have driven past like Target or McDonald's or whatever, and they wanted to go in. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. McDonald's is closed. They're not open yet. And they'd be like, but there's cars in the parking lot. I'll be like, oh no, no, that is, they're having a staff meeting. Cause see, (laughs) when, when your mom worked at Starbucks a long time ago, before you were born, we would have staff meetings. We had to come in and talk about how things were going in the store. And I bet that's what those cars are doing at McDonald's right now. The employees are there for a meeting, but they're not serving food right now. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So I know that some people will find being dishonest to your kids in very outright ways like that to be a little distasteful, but I'm saying it's, I've done it to make my life a little bit easier. I've told my kids that Starbucks only sells coffee. Like there is like absolutely no kid friendly option there for them. So there's no point when mama's going through that drive-thru to pick up a coffee. Uh, no, sorry. sorry. We're not getting anything for you. No <laughs> coffee for kids. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I bet the awesomes who are listening have some things to say about our confessions, both silly and serious. So if you would like to find us and share your thoughts with us on social media, we would love to hear them. Rebecca, remind us where we can find you all around the web. Well, you can find me at simplyrebecca.com, and you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at simplyrebecca. All right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show is on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show, and we are on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. You can always find us at face- on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.